thumbs down, right? Uh, so if you're uh, if you're out of town, we can always uh, get you a a tea, whatever that they've got here. And let's uh, go with me to Revelation chapter one. We are we are really seeing prophecy. It seems to be like being sped up. You know, this world is in a spiral. A friend of mine has a daughter that goes Tyson. Yesterday was her 16th birthday. And she was, so her mom sent her flowers. Well, they couldn't deliver flowers because that was against their rules. So, okay, so. I got to talking to her, and she says, uh, did you know, she says, that you can't call freshmen freshmen? I says, why? She says, because that's not gender neutral. What? What? Man. Man. So I guess she's calling fresh persons now. I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding? Frosh. Frosh. Ninth graders. You know, is, is that just, I mean, Am I the only one that, that seems like that borders on stupidity? It does. Way over. The LBG, the, the gay, lesbian, the gender. They actually have a school in LA, in a preschool, that's what it takes. And it's actually. Now, listen to me, okay? When we, we read about the wrath of God, wrath meaning anger, okay? God is the only one that can get angry and still be righteous. Okay. When we get angry, a lot of times we're, generally speaking, not righteous. When you read the book of Revelation, especially when tonight when we get into chapter 8 and 9, when the wrath starts unfolding, the tendency is to think, man, that's harsh. You know, it's just harsh. But here's what you have to remember is that God gives people first, second, third, tenth, twentieth, hundredth, two hundred, five hundred chances. And there comes a time when God's patience runs out. Yeah. When he's got to call the chips in. Okay? And that's what we're really seeing here in Revelation, is that it's a judgment on unbelief. Now, if you have experienced life like I have, okay, generally speaking, unfortunately, as human beings, our problems in life. When things are going smooth, people have a tendency to just kind of just lay back and, and cruise, cruise control. And then when they're not going smooth, <laughs> really? Isn't that am I right or wrong? Yeah. yeah. Maybe not quite that dramatic. I know I know that I have gotten so deep in a hole that I had to look up to see down. That's pretty deep. That's kind of where the world is heading. We can see it. You know, we have the wisdom from the Word, from the Holy Spirit, to look at this world and say to ourselves, this is, this is spiraling downward. So as we read in Revelation, we study about God's wrath. Remember, it's almost, you have to understand God as a parent. There were times as a parent when I got so disgusted with my children's behavior that I just was at the end and I said, that's it. You've had it. Right? Yeah. Whack. 
And if that's the way that I had to get their attention, then it worked. In most cases, it didn't work. And if that's the way God's got to get the people's attention that are going to be living at that time, that's the way it is. You know, I think we can all agree that we've been taken at one point or another into the woodshed. Right? God's woodshed. You know, and God's used paddle on me. When that didn't work, he used the two-by-two. When that didn't work, he graduated up to the two-by-four, then the two-by-six. And God's big enough to he can hold the six-by-six. So, I just want you to understand that as we study Revelation, I don't want you to be depressed. Okay? And it's kind of easy when you look at all this terrible things that are going to happen. It's kind of easy to be depressed because it is depressing to see that the world is going to be so hard-hearted against God that when Jesus Christ comes back the second time, there's going to be an army that's going to fight him and make war with Jesus Christ. Now, that's to me, that's inconceivable. How do you war against God? And why would you want to war against God? That's how hard-hearted people's hearts are. And that's how hard in, in this book of Revelation, we're going to see people going one of two ways. They are either going to be marked with the seal, or they're going to be marked with the mark of the beast. And if they take that mark of the beast, they have they have promised allegiance to that system, and there is no salvation to them once they have promised that allegiance. It's, it's a very sad thing. So, Revelation chapter 1, we see the... In fact, if you go to Revelation 1.19, here's our outline. It says, Write, therefore, saying this is John, what you have seen, that is past tense, what is now, that is present tense, and what will take place later, that is future tense. Now, what John has seen is Jesus Christ glorified. Okay? And you all remember from chapter 1 in verse 12 where it says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lamps, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. I never get tired of this description. It's just an amazing description. Listen. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. Think about the contrast there. His head and hair were white like snow. In fact, part one, one part of the Bible says, whiter than anyone can bleach them. So here's this... And, and, and was it actually white? Well, I think it was probably just glowing, is what it was. It was probably just his holiness and purity had, and that was the only way John knew how to describe it, was that it was like his head and his hair were white, as white as snow. That's how pure he is. And then his eyes are blazing like fire. That's quite a contrast, just, just from here to here, right? Okay. Then it says... That it says, and his eyes were blazing like fire, his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Think uh, rapids, think ocean, think waterfall, think those things. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. Did he really have a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth? No. He didn't really have a double-edged sword. What he had was the word of God. It says in, I believe it's in Timothy, that the word of God is quick and powerful. It's alive. And it's like a double-edged sword. It's like able, it's like a surgeon's scalpel, able to divide asunder the bones and marrow, the joints, the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word is so sharp and so surgical that he can divide 
in our hearts and he can know our minds and know our our our, our most innermost uh, private thoughts. It says here now listen to this his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Next time the sun shines, <laughs> just look at it. And 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 crazy. So you can see why John was like holy mackerel. This is the real deal here. And here's what he says. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. So that in verse 19 is right there for what you see. That encompasses what John has seen. The next is what is now. John was a member of the church age, the early church age. The church age is still continuing. It started roughly at Pentecost and will end at the rapture. So Revelation chapter 2 and 3 are the seven letters to the churches. That is the second part of the outline. Write what is now. And the interesting thing, we won't go over it today, but the interesting thing about these two chapters is that everything about church history is, is located in those two, two chapters. Every type of Christian you can imagine is located in those two chapters. It's just amazing. Read them over. If you weren't here with us when we studied it, it was, it was a very interesting study. Then we went to chapter 4, where in verse 1, he says, after this. Now, he says this several different times after this. And this is showing a chronological pattern here. After this, I looked and there before me was a door standing open. So now this is following Revelation chapter 119 in the things to come. Okay, Chapter 4 on are the things to come. Chapter 1, what you see. Chapter 2 and 3, what is now. Chapter 4 on, what is to come in the future. Okay? He says, after this I looked at there, before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne, and surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Now, if you think about Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, if this is the future, okay? So if this is Revelation 1.19, the things that are to come, this is actually a pretty good picture of the rapture. Okay? Why do I say that? Well, think about it. What does, what does the Bible say? It says, in the twinkling of an eye, okay, the shout of the trumpet. By the way, there's lots of trumpets in the Bible. There's lots of trumpets in Revelation. We're going to see that tonight. We are, and I, I can only describe this to you as best as I know it, one day, Possibly in our lifetime, probably in our lifetime, there's going to be a voice of a trumpet that's going to say, come up here. And we're going to go. We're going to go. You see, we are not going to be here for the tribulation. Now, there's lots of Christian people, fine Christian people that believe we are. Okay? The problem is they don't understand the Bible. A dispensational point of view. 
God is an orderly God, and he has different economies for different times, different stewardships for different people. Okay? The stewardship of the Jews was interrupted by the church age. The reason for that is the Jews rejected Christ as their Savior. And, and in Romans it says that they were blinded, but not forever, right? When we see, and if, if you look at it like this, okay, if this is the Jewish age. This is the very end of the tribulation when Jesus Christ comes back. This is when the Jews were first formed as a nation in Abraham. Okay? That is several thousand years long. In between that time, there's a parenthesis of 2,000 plus years right now. It's called the church age. We interrupted the age of the Jews, the Jewish age. When the rapture happens and the church age ends, the last seven years of the tribulation will finish out. It will be Daniel's 70th week. It will finish out the age of the Jews. Right now, God is dealing with the church, but he hasn't stopped dealing with Israel. As you can find out, you can look at the news. You can see what's happening in Israel. Israel's, Israel is, it's a happening place over there. It's, it's amazing. And when the church is raptured, it will be devastating experience, especially for the United States, because the United States probably has more Christians per capita than any other nation. There are other nations, however, that have a lot of Christians in them, but they also have a lot of people, like China. Right? So, this uh, chapter 4, verse 1 is, is I want you to, to think about this in terms of the rapture and what an experience that would be. Think about it. Put yourself in John's place here. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here. Bam. You're changed. Quickly, even I. It's all different. And what happens? It says here, it says here, at once I was in the spirit. We're going to leave our human bodies behind. Thank God. <laughs> all the calories, all the everything. Okay? And there before me was a throne in heaven. When we get raptured, we will at once be in the spirit, and immediately we will be before that throne in heaven. That's incredible. When you're absent from the body, you are present with the Lord, face to face with the Lord. You know, I remember when my dad died, and I was up in the hospital, and they had him on a, a ventilator, and we the kids had to decide do we want to take him off the ventilator, right? And I have uh, two sisters and brother. One sister wasn't there because she couldn't handle it at all. So we didn't even tell her he was in the hospital. One sister and myself said, look, the doctor has said he is not going to make it. He's not going to improve. We're keeping him alive. We should take him off the ventilator. Brother didn't want to do that. Well, God minutes later, Dad just stopped. Just died. The good news on that is that at that millisecond, he was face to face with God. That amazing to think face to face with God. One second, and the next millisecond, you're in glory. You're in glory face to face with God. Jesus Christ meeting with you. Welcome. Enter on in with the faithful servant. Yeah, I know it's just it is, it's cool. So in verse in chapter five, we see that there's a scroll, a seven-sealed scroll that nobody is found worthy to open. Now, why am I reviewing this? Because the more I review this stuff with you, the better you learn it. Okay. Paul never apologized for putting people in remembrance. And I'm not going to either. 
Okay? Because to me it's very fascinating. So this chapter 5 is the scroll. And of course, Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God and the Lion of the tribe of Judah, which is kind of a dichotomy in and of itself. And what a contrast there. Okay. He is found in his right hand. Jesus takes the scroll out of the Father's hand and starts opening the seals. Okay. In chapter 6, we see the seals. In verse 1, I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come. I looked and before me, there was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode, rode it out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Now, there are many people that have different opinions about this. Some people think this is Jesus Christ. Many crowns. Okay? Jesus is on a white horse. That's the only thing you have similar, is the white horse. But this is, I really believe, this is the introduction of the Antichrist. Okay? The world leader that will come along and will establish a peace agreement with Israel, fix the Middle East problems. Everybody's going to be wild and and this, I believe that's what this is. Have we seen a forerunner of this? We have. Um, Charlemagne? Charlemagne could be a forerunner. Uh, Antiochus Epiphanes back in 167 BC could be a forerunner. Uh, if you look at Hitler, Hitler was actually kind of a forerunner of the Antichrist. Because what did he do? If he was a, Hitler was a artist. He was an artist wannabe. And he went and joined the service and he decided that uh, Germany needed to be uh, revolutionized, that the Aryan blood was, was a divine thing. And he came in and worked his way up to Chancellor of Germany, the highest position ever. He had a thousand year plan for uh, just like the Bible has the millennium, Hitler had a thousand year plan that was going to include peace and prosperity for the Germans, etc. And uh, and what did he do? Hitler ended up basically being responsible for the killing of over 50 million people. That's a lot of people. I hate to be him on Judgment Day. <laughs> so as we see, as we get into Revelation, we're going to see that this Antichrist comes on the scene as a savior. Very, has oratorical skills. You can't believe Hitler mesmerized audiences. His speeches were amazing. He would start out very calm and he'd work it up, work it up until he was doing this number and this number and people were just, boom, falling for Last night, I was listening to a late-night radio program, and there was a couple on there, and I had never heard this before, that somebody was called Matthias, or Matthias, is supposed to be uh, the Savior returned, and he's sitting back watching, and he'll intervene, and we're all gods, <laughs> and it was a bunch of swill that was just Ooh, well, and, and, well, they were so convincing, and I thought, how many people are calling for this? Well, the, 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 they have almost an identical, if you read Revelation, they have almost an identical thing in Revelation. They're gonna, the, the difference is, is that they're uh, Mahdi, we call them, M-A-H-D-I, I think it is, Mahdi. Uh, is going to end up being the And so, yeah, there's a lot of, you're right, there's a lot of, there's a lot of copycats out there. They also claim that Jesus is already returned, but that he's insignificant. Mm -hmm. But gee, how convenient that they're pushing that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the first seal, I believe, is going to be this world leader that's going to come on stage. He's going to be well-liked. He's going to be uh, very charismatic. He's going to, to, to be intelligent. We'll get into Daniel. Maybe we can get into that next week. 
and we'll read some scriptures in Daniel about it. It's, and so we're going to go to the second seal now, which is in verse 3. When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then another horse came out of fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. Uh, so this has got to be speaking about war. I mean, it just, it's pretty obvious. Verse 5, when the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come, and I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hands. You know, what, is, what does the Bible say? You have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Isn't that in, in Daniel? Is that, am I putting that correctly? You have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. The scale is for weighing things. It says his rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand, and he heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a day's wages, and three quarts of barley for a day's wages, day's wages, and do not damage the world of wine. So this is obviously famine. I didn't don't know if you know this or not, but in Yemen right now, that's a little uh, Middle Eastern, fairly Middle Eastern country. Uh, the terrorists from, from Yemen were the ones that uh, bombed the U.S. The destroyer, the U.S. coal, way back when, not too long ago, but two years ago. They have a famine going right now that millions of people are starving. Millions. Africa, millions of people are starving. We don't see that because we live in. Uh, Pretty good times, you know what I mean? Amos 811 talks about famine on the famine of the word. Famine of the word. We definitely have a famine of the word. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Then we see in verse 7 the Lamb opened the fourth seal. So we're, we're at the fourth seal now. I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come, I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. His rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. They, that would be death and Hades, were given power over even plague and by beasts of the earth. So, this is kind of a progression. We see the Antichrist coming in. We see war. We see uh, economic hardship, depression, and then we see death. The fifth seal is really important here because we're going to study that in chapter 8 and 9 tonight. When he opened the fifth seal, and this is very unusual, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they maintained. So this is martyrs, isn't it? Okay? They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. Now, if you're one of these milk toast Christians, okay, sorry about that, you're hugging trees and kissing whales and all that kind of good stuff, okay? This would be not really a very good prayer. How can they pray, Lord, avenge our blood? But you know what? It's here in the Word of God, and it's legitimate, isn't it? Lord, how long is it going to be before your righteousness and your justice rules on the face of this earth? You know, I don't know about you, but in, in my prayer life and in my life, I watch the news, and I watch you know these things happening. I go, Lord, how long, how much longer is it going to be before this how much longer could it go? Many of you ever feel that way? Yeah, you know, how much longer? What's going to happen if this thing goes another 50, 100 years? I mean, how evil could it get? I was thinking today, you think about all the violence, violence everywhere. And um, I, I hearken back to Genesis chapter 6, where it said that in Noah's day, the violence, the earth was violent everywhere. Every, there was violence constantly. You know, we're, we're not there yet, but it wouldn't seem like we're very far from it. You know what I mean? Um, 
Anyway, so here's, here's these saints, these martyrs that are close to God. They're under the altar and they're, they're praying how long sovereign Lord holy and true to the judge, the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. Then each of them was given a white robe and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who would be killed as they had been completed. Then I watched the sea open the sixth seal. It was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth. Made a goat here. The whole moon turned blood red. So I assumed that this was some kind of an eclipse or something. The stars in the sky fell to earth. I couldn't as they figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll rolling up in every mountain and highland was removed from its place. You know, one of the things that we need to remember is that God not only uses his own power to accomplish things, but he also uses man-made power to accomplish things. To me, this speaks of an atomic blast. Because if you watch an atomic, you, you know, watched pictures of uh, atomic bombs going off, they come up and they have that mushroom cloud, and then the the um, shock wave goes out in a circle, uh, 360 degrees, and that mushroom cloud, and it looks like the sky is rolling up like a scroll. It's really eerie. And if you were John in 96 AD, and you had a vision of an atomic blast or hydrogen blast go off, how would you the sky looked to me like it was rolling up like a scroll. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you think about atomic warfare, okay, think about the, it says the, the stars were dropping and they're falling from the sky like figs from a tree. You know, think about um, the, the, the offshoots of an atomic uh, blast and all, all that. I mean, I really believe that when we read Revelation here, that the earth will be in total chaos. In Romans chapter 8, you don't have to turn to this, let me read it to you, okay? Romans chapter 8 says this. It's, I think it's Romans chapter 8, anyway. Yeah, Romans 8.22 says this. And I'm going to start in verse 18. Just listen to what this is. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation, okay? So everything that's created, the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God, that will be us, to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, that would be God, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. What did God say to Adam after he sinned? Cursed is the ground. You see, the plants, the animals, Everything, you know, I was thinking the other day, how serious Adam's sin was. You can imagine that the Garden of Eden was a beautiful place. Plants didn't die, animals didn't die. They weren't ferocious by nature. But sin changed all that. Sin changed everything. Sin changed the human soul, didn't it? Yeah. Let me continue on real quick. Listen to this. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Not only are we waiting, for the redemption of the earth, the creation is growing together. It's waiting for this. And this uh, passage in Revelation 
And following passages, we see that the earth now is, is in chaos. Nature is in chaos. Volcanoes, the ring of fire will be erupted. We will have, I just heard on the news uh, that the hurricanes, they're expecting them to get worse and worse and worse. Uh, we see tornadoes. I mean, think about it. Right now, we're watching nature kind of in chaos. Well, I'm only 39. I've never seen it. So, uh, yeah. Okay, chat, yes. Environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did this have been from just my thinking, my thinking, my thinking? Not only is it going to be in heaven, but when Jesus Christ comes back and he moves Satan into the abyss, right? And chains him there for a thousand years, the earth. At that point in time, all the unbelievers will be taken off the earth. The millennium will be populated by believers only. They're going to start the millennium. That's when God is going to, if you go, remodel the earth. He's going to remodel the earth like it was. Adam was created. And that's what it says. See, when it says the lion will lie down with the lamb, it's not talking about heaven, it's talking about the wedding. Yeah. See, so we're going to experience that beauty and that amazing reconstruction of the earth and its resources and everything before we even get to heaven. So it's 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 a pretty neat plan. God's, God's got it in, in control. Well, chapter seven, we see the hundred and forty-four thousand. Jewish believers, you know, we think about this for just a minute. How is that going to happen? You know, when the church is raptured, right now, there is quite the messianic movement uh, happening within the Jewish communities. There is a lot of Jews coming to Christ. And it's, it's really phenomenal. And <laughs> As time moves closer to the end, that movement will get closer. God will open the eyes of of Jews. And they will, at that point in time, see more clearly that Jesus Christ is the Savior, the promised Savior. And then they will have the opportunity to believe or not believe. We're going to see in chapter 7 here where 144,000 from the 12 different tribes of Israel, these are Jews. These are not Gentiles. I read in a, a commentary today that they said that they believe that it's basically replacement theology. They believe that Israel has been replaced by the church. You know, if Israel has been replaced by the church, then God's a liar. And God's not keeping, he's not going to keep his promises to Israel. He promised the Jews under several different covenants that he would keep his promises and if we're now Jews then he has to keep his promises to his own people. So that's that's false doctrine that that is that is no good we need to replace the theology because it ain't right. Now Go with me to chapter 7, verse 8, or verse 9. After this, and I looked there before me, there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They, I am in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. Nine, nine and a half, then. 
<laughs> they were wearing white robes and sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and poor living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory. Now, think about these attributes. There are seven divine attributes. Praise and glory, wisdom and thanks, honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders asked me, these white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. You ever want a safe answer? If somebody asks you a question you don't know, just say, sir, you know. <laughs> That's what Ezekiel said. He says, now listen, here's the answer. So what's the question? Who are they and where did they come from? Here's the answer. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed the robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. And they had hungered and they had thirsted in the tribulation. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat that happened in the tribulation. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Chapter 8, verse 1. When he opened this, did we study this last time? We just read it, didn't we? When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven. For about a half, half an hour. That's where we stopped. Yeah. You know, if you watched like a hurricane, right? the eye of the hurricane is the calm part. Right? The forefront and the back is, is, is where, where the storm is. This is the lull before the storm. You know, we have studied seven chapters in Revelation. And I don't know about you, but I've noticed that heaven's a very joyful and noisy place. People are always praising the Lord. People are singing songs. They're, they're worshiping. They're giving, they're giving glory to God. And now all of a sudden, can you imagine? Silence. If we sat here for half an hour and nobody said anything. Right? Turn into Quakers. Okay. Now, so there's silence in heaven for about a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God. And to them were given seven trumpets. Now, these seven angels are a special, they're, they're a special angelic group. Um, and it, this, this word, it says, who stand before God. That's in the present tense of the Greek. This could be translated, who continually stand before God. They are continually standing in the presence of God. It says, another angel, verse 3, who had a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. So now, where did we see the altar last? The, the fifth seal? The fifth seal with the saints up to the altar? And, huh? Yeah. And they were crying out, Lord, how long is it going to be before you avenge our blood? Okay. Another angel who had a golden censer. What is a censer? You know? It's like, yeah, it's like one of those things you put incense in. And you know, you see the guys with the fish caps. <laughs> um, they do look, look like fish heads. <laughs> okay. Another angel who had gold who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. So this has got to be the same altar. He was given much incense to offer with 
the prayer prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. So he's taking incense and he's taking the prayers of the tribulation martyrs, the prayers of how long will it be, Lord, before you avenge your blood? That's important to know. And here's what it says. The smoke of the incense, verse 4, together with the prayers of the saints, went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. There came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. This is the prelude to the wrath of God. This isn't the wrath of God yet, but it's the prelude, okay? Now, so the wrath of God is in focus here. Verse 6. Then the seven angels, these are the ones who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. Verse 7. The first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down upon the earth. A third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. <laughs> now, obviously, this is not blood. This is language of appearances. If I, when I read this again today, the first thing that came to my mind was a volcanic eruption. Why? Well, because hail, if you've ever watched a volcanic eruption, they generate their own weather pattern. And there's lightning in it, there's rumblings of thunder, there's peals, the lava could look like blood coming down, being spewed out. This could be volcanic activity. Now, I don't know whether it is or not, I'm just suggesting it might be, okay? Did you? Okay. So, in this, in this first angel, wow, a third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass what does that do? Well, obviously, the greenery, what does greenery provide to the earth? <coughs> Oxygen. Yeah. So now we've got, a, we've got a, a dire problem with the environment, for sure. Okay. The second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like a huge mountain, all ablaze, was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. When I think about this, I think about maybe a comet, or a meteor. 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 Not meteor. No meteors. But there's also a lot of volcanoes underneath the ocean, too. So, again, where are we? The earth is in chaos, right? So this could be a number of things working together. We go on. And it says a third of the ships were destroyed. You know, it's interesting if a comet or me meteor, okay, or asteroid, yes, thank you, fell into the ocean. First of all, how fast would we travel? Fast. It wouldn't even have to be real big. I mean, a meteor the size of a school bus would cause a lot of damage. And the tsunami, or the tidal wave that would be generated from that would be astronomical. Um, and, and thus, we can see road waves, that type of thing, and ships being destroyed. Let's go on. It says, the third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from the sky on a third of the river. So, in verse 8, we've got the sea, the salt water, right? In verse 10 and 11, we've got the fresh water. The third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. 
a third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had become bitter. Now this is interesting because wormwood is a plant. Okay, it's a plant that um, is is bitter. They actually do put that in some alcohol. Wormwood is used to treat worms, people with worms, okay? And it is a very, very bitter herb. Here's well, it also turns your lips and your mouth black. <laughs> it turns your lips and mouth black? Yep, it turns your lips and your mouth black. I ain't none of what's interesting is you've heard of a place called Chernobyl. Okay. Chernobyl is, or was, a very large nuclear plant in the Ukraine, right? When the Ukraine, let's see, this was in 1986, so the Ukraine was still a full part of Russia, okay? The word Chernobyl in Russian and Ukrainian is spelled a little differently between the two languages, is the word wormwood, okay? And wormwood is a plant that grew around that area. Now, when that uh, reactor, I don't know if you knew what happened, but they shut down the safety uh, uh, processes of that reactor to check something, and it blew, it blew the whole roof of the, of the nuclear plant off. And that roof was literally hundreds of thousands of pounds of cement blew it off. And it was the largest nuclear, I think it still is, I think it, it is the largest nuclear disaster uh, that's ever happened. The town of Pripyat, okay, which was, I think a town of about 50,000 people has been abandoned now ever since that. The trees around there, if you look at them, they're all um, browned. The, they, they killed a bazillion chickens, deer, and animals because they were affected by the radiation. They did not want them mating with other animals and perhaps giving radiation. They didn't want people eating them because of the radiation. And even today, the radiation is so great in that compound around there. Well, I think it's, this could mean nothing, okay? But I think it's very interesting that the verse says this, okay? A third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had become bitter. I just wonder if this is some kind of a radioactive poison. And God, in his sense of humor, knew that Chernobyl was going to be named Chernobyl, and that that was another name for Wormwood in Russian, and that, I don't know, I'm just saying, right? It's very interesting to me that that all kind of, kind of goes together. Verse 12, the fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. Wow. You know, you just, you just, day and night seem to be reversed here. And you just wonder, I mean, like, for example, you know, we have, generally speaking, 16 hours of daylight and 8 hours of darkness. Yes? Something like that? Is that right? Well, depending on if there are days, they don't say it. And it's just like reverse. Now there's there's going to be more darkness now. You just wonder whether verse 10, the wormwood thing, and this is talking about a radiation cloud. John? Uh, it's, it's been scientifically studied, and I don't know if it's proven, but that the Earth is currently wobbling on its axis, and they attribute that to uh, the 
uh, nuclear testing and nuclear explosions that have happened on the Earth's surface. So, the more it happens, the more the Earth would wobble on its axis. So, with not much population on the North Pole or the South Pole, the more we wobble, the less direct the sun and the moon shine on the earth, reducing the hours of daylight and hours of light in the dark. You say that solar that happened in 04, all the sunspots stop. Every 14 years, they go from none to seven years they're high, seven years they're stopped. Seven years they're high. They've been tracking that stuff for 60 years. No, 14. For seven it builds, it had reached peak, then it falls to nothing, then it builds, to, and then it falls to nothing. Every, so it's a 14-year cycle. They've been studying it since, since they started radio and were having trouble communicating. They discovered the sunspots had a lot to do with it. Well, let's finish up our chapter 8 and let's read our chapter 9. <laughs> so, it says a third of the day was without light and also a third of the night. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair. Well, first of all, do you hear eagles flying in midair? No, no. So this, is, this, is, this is some type of, of uh, figurative language here. I heard an eagle that was flying in midair, but he called out in a loud voice. And who this eagle? This is probably an angel. Okay, probably is an angel. Call out in a loud voice, woe, woe, woe. There's three woes here, and that's going to come to be uh, very important later. To the inhabitants of the earth, because of the trumpet blasts, about to be sounded by the other three angels. So we've got seven trumpet blasts total, and we have four, haven't we? Okay? So, let's read chapter 9 to see what we're coming up against. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he, so this is speaking, the star is a he, so this could be an angel. When he opened the abyss, or the shaft to the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. Do you remember when Jesus was going to cast out the demons and they said, 
Are you going to cast us into the abyss and torment us before the time? They knew that's the abyss. It's a place of torment. And out of the smoke, locusts came down upon the earth and were given power like that of scorpions on the earth. Well, what do scorpions do? Sting. Yeah. They can make you sick. They can, a, scorp a, a scorpion's sting can kill you. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not given power to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And yeah, and the agony they suffered was like that of the sting of a scorpion when it strikes a man. During those days, men will seek death but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. Do you remember back in, I believe it was chapter 6, it says that the, the rich and the great and the poor and all this were, were, were crawling into caves and, and praying that the mountains would fall on? Okay, so, verse 7. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. Now, this is something that either is mechanical, okay, some type of a, of a drone, a war equipment, something man-made, or this is some kind of beast that we've never seen, okay? It could be, the, the, and these could even be demons too. It's hard to know. Yeah. It says the horses, the, the locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads, there were something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like woman's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. Isn't that crazy? They had breastplates like. Breastplates of iron, and the sounds of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails and stings like scorpions, and in their tails they had power to torment people for five months. Now, if I was going to describe a mechanical thing, this would this would be pretty good description of an attack helicopter. Okay, especially if you watch the missiles coming out, and they've got gunners. And the, the, the rotors making the sound of the chariots. Uh, if you look at a certain helicopter and it's got that rounded front, and a lot of times in war they would paint teeth on them or they would paint faces on them. And you wonder whether this is what John saw. I'm just, just saying, this could be. What's that? Chemical warfare? Yeah, yeah, they had the power to sting. What are they going to be stinging? They did not give the they did not give the locusts the power to kill, only the power to torture for five months. Huh? People are suffering. So this could be some type of a beast. Uh, or, what's that? I can't see helicopter flying around for five months. I mean, you know, well, it, to shoot it down. Well, for five months, they're fucking down. Maybe it's drones. But intelligent design. Yeah. Well, and I am going to give you guys, uh, I'm going to bring a, um, I'm going to bring a DVD here pretty quick on artificial intelligence. It'll blow you away. It'll blow you away. Okay, let's finish this up. Okay. It says, verse 11, they had as king over them the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apollyon. The first woe is past, two other woes are yet to come. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the horns of the golden altar that is before God. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. 
and the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released. Tell me God doesn't have a plan. Day, month, year, and hour. To kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their number. Now, there's only really two armies right now. If you think about this in earthly terms, there's only two armies that could probably mount 200 million soldiers. That would be the Chinese army and the Islam, if the Islamic nations got together and they could probably come together because they got a bunch of people. I don't know whether one of those is what's happening, but we'll find out. The horses and riders I saw, this is verse 17, in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, and yellow with sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. A third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails were like snakes, having heads with which they inflict injury. The, now listen to this. The rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshipping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk. They did not repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immoralities, or their thefts. <laughs> man, man, do you understand why God's kind of ticked off? No? Really? Here his son, Jesus Christ, died for these very people. And they are so hard-hearted why are you just reminding me? Sorry. Are you still going down? No, I can't. Uh huh. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you guys have been watching this drone bit. Man, they got drones that are big as planets, they're unmanned. They, they even predict that there will be wars that will be fought just simply by machines. Isn't that crazy? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your great promises, your great word to us. Lord, we are your kids. We're certainly not perfect, but Jesus Christ is perfect. And that's eyes Let me thank you for that, Lord. Your plan of grace is perfect. It's a perfectly thought out plan, a perfectly executed plan, and a perfectly revealed plan to us. Thank you so much for your great salvation. We hold up all of our friends and any relatives that any of us might have that don't know you, Lord. And we ask a special request that you work in their lives in a mighty way to bring Christian to, to visit with them, minister to them, witness to them. And Lord God, that you would please take special care of our friends and relatives that don't know you. We pray in Jesus' name. Thanks, God. We'll see you uh, next.